All right, uh, let's talk about prayer. Now, I'm not going to go through all of it again, but I'll give you the high points up to where we're at now. And we talked about all kinds of things about prayer, such as when to pray. And by the way, it's never the wrong time to pray. It's always a good time to pray, and we ought to be in prayer. The Bible tells you to pray without ceasing. And so we ought to always be willing to pray and able to pray at any time that we need to. You don't have to wait till you come to church to pray. You don't have to wait for a pandemic to pray. You ought to be, have a prayer life anyway. And so we ought to spend time in prayer. And then we talked about where to pray. In 1 Timothy 2.8, Paul said, I, my, it's my will that everybody prays everywhere. Everywhere. You can pray in your car. I wouldn't close my eyes while I was doing it, but I mean, <laughs> you know, you might want to watch. The Bible does say watch and pray, so you ought to pay attention in a situation like that. But you can pray at church, you can pray at home, you can pray in school. The shirts used to say, I broke a rule, I prayed in school. But really, it's not against the rules to pray in school. The Supreme Court or whoever made the terrible decision where teachers couldn't lead in prayer or something such as that. But it's never been a law where children couldn't pray. It's never been a law where teachers couldn't pray either. It's my leading. And I know we have teachers that pray, and thank God we do. And we have children that pray, but we ought to pray at school. And school year is starting, we ought to pray for a good year. Pray for your country. Pray for all of your leaders. Boy, they need it. Amen. More ways than one. So uh, why do we pray? Well, we pray for God to meet our needs and pray for the sick and pray for all those kind of things. Pray for salvation. Good reasons to pray. And then we talked about how to pray. And I gave a lot of things on that. And, you know, the Bible talks about sometimes in the scripture you read where they were standing and praying. Other times you see where they're kneeling and praying. And that shows reverence. Uh, that's why we bow our heads. It's showing reverence. We're, we're bowing before the throne of grace, so to speak. We're, we're saying we're inferior to God. And so we bow our heads. And the Bible says we're to take our hats off our head. And, I mean, that's what you're supposed to do. Y'all do that, the Pledge of Allegiance. Take your hat off your hip, put, it over, put your hand over your heart. That's the way it ought to be. But you don't kneel during that. Somebody say amen. And stand for that. But you can kneel in prayer, or you can stand in prayer, it says. Sometimes you call somebody to pray in their pew, they'll stand up and pray. That's nothing wrong with that. That's scriptural. That's fine. The Lord, when it got really bad before he was crucified, he laid prostrate down, laid on his belly, on his face and prayed. Sometimes you might get in that kind of situation. And so whatever it might be, you say, well, I would never do that. If it got bad enough, you might. <laughs> you don't never know what you'd do. If it gets bad enough, if it gets bad enough, you're liable to do all kinds of things. But anyway, so that's all good. And we pray to our Father in heaven. Even the Lord told you in the model prayer, he started out to the Father in heaven. And we pray by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we pray through the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're going to close out your prayer, you always pray in Jesus' name. Or you can pray in your, his son's name. Whatever you do it, that's fine. But you're recognizing who you're praying through. That's the main thing. There's one mediator, one, between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. 1 Timothy 2.5. In other words, there's only one go-between. It's not Mary. Mary is a wonderful woman in the Bible. But we're never commanded to pray to her. As a matter of fact, the last time she was mentioned was in Acts chapter 1, and she was in a prayer meeting with the other disciples praying to God. And so we don't pray to her. We don't pray to statues. We don't pray to preachers. We pray to God is who we pray to. And so that's what we do. And we pray through the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only way you can pray through. And then, um, and so the Bible's very clear on that. 
You know, most people say, well, I just don't know how to pray. I just, I just don't know how to talk to God. Well, talk to the Lord the same way he talks that you talk to anybody else. And so I can't talk to him like that. Then maybe you ought to change how you're talking to everybody else. That'd be a good deal. I had a boy drop off some furniture today. And um, uh, furniture, just a desk. My desk has been destroyed. It's, well, Brother Jonathan's got it now. But anyway, it's peeling and it wasn't in the best condition. I bought that thing a long time, a long time ago. Anyway, I got one that didn't cost any more than that one. It wasn't a high dollar desk. This one's not either. And they dropped it off and that boy almost let a word slip. I mean, he came that close. You say, well, I bet you think terrible of him. I don't think bad about him. He didn't mean to do it, and I mean, he shouldn't have, but anyway, I mean, I really, I don't, I'm not, I wasn't upset with him. It just, but he caught it real quick. I just thought it was kind of humorous because, man, he's, I mean, I mean, he even started the word, and he's changed it really fast. And it's like, and I'm sitting here at church, and I'm about to cuss in church. You know? <laughs> but you know what? You shouldn't do that anywhere. Whatever is down here in the heart usually comes out the mouth. Some people say, well, I'll slip sometimes to say it. That's probably because you say it in private sometimes. You know, if you hadn't been talking like that, it would never come out. Most of the time. Most of the time. Anyway. All right. Um, so we ought to talk to the Lord. I mean, we'll be able to talk to the Lord. He's your best friend. If you're a Christian and you're saved, you'll be able to talk to him. And just tell him. You don't have to be fancy and big words. He doesn't need big words. You're not going to impress him. Just tell him your heart is what you do. Tell him your heart. He knows bigger words than any of us know. He knows everything. He knows every language. You don't know anybody else that knows every language. But he does. You say, how do you know that? They can pray to him over there in Mandarin Chinese, and he knows what they're saying. And they can pray to him in, in um, um, the Hindu languages. And he, they, knows. They, can, they can pray in Spanish. They can pray in English. They can pray in Northern English, and he still knows. I mean, that's pretty well. <laughs> they can pray from England, and he knows. Amen. Makes no difference what language it is. He, he can hear, and thank God he can. All right. There's also some conditions of prayer. Now, this was, we're picking up now where we left off. Some conditions of prayer. This is all new right here. Conditions of prayer. You say, well, what are the conditions of prayer? Well, take your Bible and go to Luke chapter 22. Now, we haven't been turning because we gave scriptures last time on all those others. But Luke chapter 22, since this is new, we'll turn to it. And we'll see what the Bible says. Luke chapter 22, and we're going to read about the Lord praying. And he's over here praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's about to be um, betrayed. And here he is, Luke 22, and as he's praying... He's praying to his Father in heaven. And at this point, he kneeled down. Look in verse 41. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast, his disciples, and kneeled down and prayed. That's in the Garden of Gethsemane. That garden's 70 paces, steps. Most people say that that's like 210 feet. Would that be what that'd be? You know, if you take three feet of steps, well, a lot of people measure that. And that's about it. I've been to the Garden of Gethsemane. There's olive trees there. Gethsemane means the olive press. There's olive trees that are 2,800 years old. Well, he was 2,000 years ago. And so if that's true, me and Brother Ben and Brother Wayne and a bunch of us others have been there, that means those trees were 800 years old when he was there. Wow. 
That's amazing. Same trees. Verse 42, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Then we ought to pray for God's will to be done in our life. That's important. Pray for God's will to be done. And in his will, not just for his will, but in his will. Did you know God has a plan for you? You say, what is it? Why don't you ask him? I mean, that's a good thing. He has a way of showing you what he wants you to do. Lord, I just pray that your will be done in my life. And I, if you don't know his will, reveal your will to me and show me. And he'll work things out for you. But so many people are just the opposite. They're selfish and they pray. They don't pray for that. They already have everything planned out and decided. They say, well, no, now, Lord, this is what I want to do here. And this is what I want to do there. You ever think maybe he, ought to, he knows more than you know? And you can say, Lord, uh, not what I'm really wanting to do, but uh, Lord, would you go ahead and work out your will? If you don't want this to happen, whatever you want, we'll do it that way. Because <laughs> he knows better. He's looking at the back end of the thing. He's at the back looking uh, back at everything, and we're here at the front, and they say hindsight's twenty twenty. That's what they say. Well, you know what? Foresight's got to be better than that. He's got foresight. He sees everything like it's already happened. Nothing. Did it ever occur to you that nothing ever occurs to God? You don't catch him by surprise. Not going to happen. He knows everything. He said, well, I can't believe that happened. Well, God already knew it was going to happen. But we ought to pray and we ought to get in God's will. And he knows whether you're going to get in his will or not. I think life's a lot less bumpy if you're in his will. Because if you're not in his will, you're fighting against him. Man, that's no good. You don't want to fight against the Lord. I'd rather walk alongside with him. Instead of going opposite directions. And so you want to get with him. You get ahead of God. You get in a mess, what can happen? But anyway, people say, well, I'm, I'm praying for God to give me a job. Well, you ought to, that's good. But it ought to be the right kind of job. He's probably not wanting you to work at a liquor store. You say, well, it opened up. I doubt that's the Lord's will for you. He probably, he's probably can give you a job where you don't work on Sundays, too. I think he's that powerful, do y'all? Oh, you say, well, every now and then I've worked, I got called out. I'm not talking about that. That happens. Sometimes you just don't have a choice, you know. But every single Sunday ever, surely the Lord can work that out. That's why like, she was working at a place she shouldn't have been working at one time. She said, yeah, but they have insurance. I can't find a job. I said, you don't think God could give you a job where you wouldn't have to work in a job like that that's wrong? And she, knew it, she said it was wrong. I said, that would give you insurance? He'd probably get you a raise, too. Don't you just trust him? That's how people are. They don't do what they just, oh, they've got it all figured out when we ought to be doing what God wants us to do. We'll do it God's way. All right. That's a condition. You need to pray for God's will. And then we ought to pray in faith. Look in James chapter 1. James chapter 1. We need to pray in faith. So why don't we turn in these scriptures? Because it don't matter what I think about. It's what the Bible says. We're a Bible-believing church. We just believe the Bible's the Word of God, and He'll tell you what's right and what's wrong. James chapter number 1. James chapter 1, verse 6. It says, but let, look in verse 5 first. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Well, that's a good thing. You want to be, have some wisdom? Ask the Lord. I pray for wisdom all the time. I don't know if y'all pray for it. I say, Lord, I, I'm dumb. 
Now, I'm not telling him anything he doesn't know. He already understands that. I mean, I know I'm a special kind of dumb. <laughs> you know what I mean? You say, oh, well, I'm not. Well, you just hadn't got the right age yet. You get the right age, you'll look back and say, I was really dumb. You know what I mean? That's how it is. You get a certain age in life, and you look back and go, man, I wasn't very smart at all. <laughs> and that's how it is. But anyway, the, the way to get wisdom is to ask God, but also you got to realize you need it. Some people don't even know they need it. You can't, it's hard to make it in life without wisdom. Everybody thinks they got it figured out. I pastor a church that's got between three and 400 active members. And they may not all be here at the same time, but they're active in and, and, and any given week. And, and, it's, and when school starts back, it's about to really get on. And Lord's really blessing our church. And then I preach in uh, meetings of, all over the place. And then I'm the president of a Bible institute um, and founder of it and president of it. It's a ministry of this church, but still I have to run the operations of it and all that kind of stuff. It's got 800 students online. And then I've had three churches call me today, ask me advice. One's trying to get a pastor. One's this, one's that. You say, what do you tell them? I beg God, Lord, I don't want to give them the wrong advice. And I know me, I'm not very smart. But I know if God gets in it, I can help them. And so I pray and ask God for wisdom. And I think the Lord will do that. You can see through things sometimes. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. That give it to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But you've got to ask. But let him ask, look at this, let him ask in faith. Nothing to wavering. In other words, you're believing God. You're not just praying. You're, we're not just praying. So, well, I just... I don't know if anybody's hearing me or not. Look, hey, he's hearing you, and you ought to believe he's hearing you. Now, he may not always answer your prayer the way that you want it answered, because he knows best. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Well, if you're not praying in faith, then don't consider getting something from God, because it ain't going to happen. We've got to believe him. And believe God's able. Some people pray to God not thinking he's able to answer prayers. Let me tell you something. There's nothing wrong with his end of it. He can answer any prayer. He can do more than we can exceedingly, above exceedingly, what we can ask as praying or even think, even, even think about. Man, we could all get together and we could get our minds together and we could all try to come up with ideas and stuff. We couldn't even get close to what God is. All of our minds put together. It's not happening. He's that much greater. So we got to understand that. we got to pray in faith. And so that's really, really important. So there's conditions in prayer, but there's something else, and I don't like this one. But there's hindrances to prayer. Hindrances. There's things that can hurt your prayers. You say, like what? How about like an unforgiving spirit? Man, that can do it. It sure can. Turn over to Matthew. I don't know if I got this marked or not. Matthew probably chapter 6 yeah Matthew 6 Matthew chapter 6 and this is known as the Lord's Prayer but really it's probably mistitled it'd be more like the disciples prayer 
And what it is is a teaching prayer. It's not how the Lord prayed. If you want to know how he prayed, turn to John 17. I'm not turning there. But, I mean, he's in prayer, and it records his prayer. And you can see how he prayed. But in Matthew 6, he's teaching some people how to pray. And it says in verse 8, Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. He already knows what you need, but he'd like to hear you ask. Be grateful for what you have. After this manner, therefore, pray ye. Our Father, that's how we always start out, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now notice his name's holy, it's hallowed. He's in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, praying for daily provisions. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So you can lose fellowship with the Lord by simply having an unforgiving spirit. You've got to have a forgiving spirit. You say, well, they did me wrong. Well, they might have, but you ought to forgive them over it. You ought to forgive people. One time D.O. Moody, the great preacher, had a lady come and, and forward in, she, in his, one of his meetings, and she needed some assurance of salvation. And he began to deal with her and deal with her. And, and like three nights in a row she came forward. She couldn't get assurance. And finally he said, all right. He said, how about the model prayer? He said, I want you to repeat that after me. And he went through that thing and she began to repeat it. And he said, forgive others. If they, if, 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 you know, God's forgiven you and all this stuff. And she goes, I'll never forgive that woman a day in my life. And he said, no wonder you have a, don't have any assurance. He said, if you're holding that in your heart. He didn't even bring up a woman, but when he said that, she couldn't even repeat it. She had such a strong feeling. You know, there's people like that, and it shouldn't be that way. And I don't understand why it is, but it is. But I got people that hate my guts. I know you wouldn't believe that. But anyway, I'm shocked too. But you say, what are you doing? You see them. I shake their hand and say hi to them because I really don't hate them. I'm really not even bothered by it. It doesn't even matter. I mean, as far as that's concerned. You sit and let stuff like that bother you, it'd be crazy. I don't sit around and worry about that kind of stuff. And I'm friendly to them. We've had people leave church before. And thank God we have a lot more coming in than we have going out. It's been good. But every now and then, you have somebody leave, get mad. You say, how do you treat them? You say, same way I always treat them. And you'd be surprised how many of them's come back through the years. And some of them's told me, they said, you know what? You've been the same to me every time you've seen me for five years and after and I really did you wrong I've had them tell me that I said I'm sorry about that I, is it alright if we get back to church said, yeah we'd love to have you back at church that's how it ought to be but see I mean they want to get right but I'm not going to be mean to them that's just the way it is now my wife on the other hand <laughs> that's her you say well she wouldn't do nothing well here's the thing she can chew me out but you can't chew me out, I promise you. She'll cut your tires, amen. That's right. Amen. If you're lucky, that's all she'll do. Amen. All right. Um. So how about this? Grudges. You can't hold grudges. Turn to James chapter 5. James chapter 5. James chapter 5. 
James 5, 9. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. In other words, let God take care of it. Let him handle it. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Let the Lord handle it. But what can happen is when you hold grudges against others, God can say, well, all right, until you get that thing fixed, I'm not going to mess with you. And that's a bad thing. You don't want to hold grudges. You need to be on a friendly basis. You say, well, people do me wrong. and Yeah, they'll do you wrong. Get over it. That's part of life. It's the way it is. You got to move on. How about this one? Turn to 1 Peter 3. That's to the right of James there. 1 Peter chapter 3. I hate this one. 1 Peter, you say, well, it's in the Bible. I know, but I don't like everything in the Bible. Amen. But that just means the Bible's right and I'm wrong. Okay? 1 Peter 3. You say, well, what in the world's this got to do with anything? Well, you just watch it here. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 5. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. You say, what's that guy do with anything here? So, really nothing, I just wanted to read it. Whose daughters ye are, because <laughs> I'm mad about the next part. As long as ye do well and are not afraid with any amazement. What that means is she followed her husband, she called him Lord, but not Lord in the sense of like God. That's not what she's talking about, this talking about there. Verse 7, likewise, it's not just the women, men, likewise, like the women, God has an admonition for us. Ye husbands. Dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together the grace of life. How come? That your prayers be not hindered. Pretty plain, isn't it? You mistreat your wife and do her wrong. The Bible says God can hold back. Your, he can hinder your prayers. So you got to treat her right. <laughs> Like that one guy, he's getting a divorce, and there he was before the judge. And anyway, the judge says, it says here on this piece of paper that you're a deserter. He said, Your Honor, if you knew that woman the way I knew her, you'd know I wasn't a deserter. I'm a refugee. <laughs> That's bad. I'm about to get stoned up here. Now, I'm not thinking of any of you when I say that, by the way. Just a joke. Amen. But I have met a few like that in my life. But there's some deadbeat men, too. You can mark that down. There's both sides. But anyway, the Bible's very clear. If you want to get your prayers answered, you've got to treat your wife right. It's pretty plain, so amen. Treat her right. And then something else. Look back at James, just the book to the left of 1 Peter. James chapter 4. James chapter 4. Here's another way you can have your prayers hindered. James 4 verse 2. You lust and have not, you kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war. Now watch this closely. Yet you have not, because you ask not. Now that's not an hindrance to prayer, that's just somebody not even praying. You ask and receive not, because you ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your lust. Now that's pretty plain. Sometimes you don't get your prayers answered or receive what you want simply because you're asking for the wrong reasons. I've said this kind of stuff a lot of times before. So I want a new car. Well, that's good. Would you use it for the Lord in any way? 
I mean, just think about these. What's that got to do with that? Well, if you're asking God for it, I mean, would it be wrong to say, well, I mean, I need to go pick up so-and-so or my mother-in-law and take her to church. Well, you know, would you do something like that? I mean, maybe I ought to use a better example. A stranger, <laughs> not your mother-in-law. <laughs> but anyway, you know, I mean, would, would you be willing to if you saw a need? I mean, uh, people in this church, they use things they have for the Lord so often. And what a blessing that is. People use their talents. Brother Herschel's done so many things. Brother Luke, some of these people have done so many things around here. Nobody even knows that they've done. We've got women doing stuff and bringing stuff and bringing their own cooking supplies and cooking things and who knows this and that and all kinds of sort of things, you know. Um, people donating stuff, people using their vehicles to pick up people and bringing people to church and taking them home. I mean, all kinds of things people do. It's amazing. They use their talents and use things. That's good, you know. Whitney brought all those horses up here for VBS and brought all those horses. There's no charge and any of that. And it was a job. You bring three horses and have to deal with that. Brought them up here, and I just well, we was glad we could do something for the Lord, for the church, you know. Kaysen brought his side-by-side -side up here. I was trying to hide the key where it had to stay. But anyway, I drove that little train around it. You say, what's that? Using something you got for the Lord. I mean, there's people all over. I could go down every pew, every aisle, and there's people in here that use what they have. People brought their tractors, cleared parking lots, wouldn't let us pay for any diesel, you know, whatever. Uh, mowed grass, work days. You know what that is? People taking what they have and using it for the Lord. It's not meaning they're giving it to the Lord all the time, but they're saying, you know what? The Lord's blessed us. We was able to have this or that, and the Lord could get some use out of it. I'm willing to use a little, you know. I would get it most of the time. I'm willing to use it for the Lord. I think that's a good thing. But so many times we pray and only ask for us, and we leave God out of it. And God's not for that. We, we ask out of... Um, you know, we just, we want everything for me, 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 me. And it shouldn't be that way. We ask for lust, our own lust, our own selves, instead of for the Lord and for his will to be done. And so that's the way it ought to be. I've said this before. Everything I have ought to belong to the Lord. Everything you have ought to belong to the Lord. That doesn't mean God's telling you to give him everything he's got. What that means is God, you ought to let God help make the decisions over what you have. It'll work out better. He said, well, how's, there, how's everything you have belong to the Lord? Because I belong to him. That's the key right there. I belong to him, and so it's his. Me and my wife, we've never prayed and said, Lord, would it be your will if we tithe? No, you don't pray for that. You know it's right. And I thank God for a wife. She's never said, I think we're giving the church too much money. If I say, I think we ought to up it a little bit. She goes, I'm for it. I mean, she's for it faster than I'm for it, probably. That's just the way it is. You say, well, because you can't outgive God. It just doesn't work that way. Or maybe we're going to do this or do that or do something that's really no benefit to us, but it's for the church. Uh, she's all in. That's the way it ought to be. And, man, we ought to not be selfish with the Lord, you know. Of course, people, you say something about money. I'm not even, wasn't even thinking money, really. I don't. You say, well, I don't worry about what people give to church. I don't know what people give. I don't care what you give. It makes me no difference. That's between you and God. But anyway, I know what I give, and that's between me and the Lord. Say, I know what I do, and I want to do right by him. You say, why? He always does right by me. I can live better off 90%, not can 100%. He really can. It's weird how that works. It does, on, on paper, it does not work, but you watch. It always works out.
You do what God asks you to do, and he'll bless you for doing it. He's not going to make you rich. He's not, we're not these TV preachers. Oh, if you just give here, you'll be rich. No, it ain't going to happen. You might get rich. If you do, glory to God. Amen. <laughs> That'd be all right. I'm just saying, though, but that's not your motive for giving. You give because you love the Lord. And we give our time because we love the Lord. And we give the use of what we have, some things sometimes, because we love the Lord. That's why we do it. Do it so often. I saw my dad do that so many times. My dad had all that equipment and stuff and had that business. I remember him going up there to um, Bud Creek Church Camp. They Solid rock. And they was needing a, um, lines put in, underground lines, solid rock. He put a hole ram up there for three months and an operator. I hate that noise. I've heard that so much. That ain't cheap, is it, Brother Philip? That's big money. I said, well, what do we owe you? He said, you don't owe me nothing. He said, if you just, maybe if you just sign something for a tax deduction for services or something, you know, or whatever. That wasn't asking too much. <laughs> that goes by the foot when you're getting paid. I've done about it. It's a big deal, you know. But I've watched my daddy do that stuff. Now, if he's here, he wouldn't even want me telling that kind of stuff. But I've seen him do stuff. I've seen him do stuff so many times. There was a widow woman come by one day, and, and she didn't have anything. And her husband was such a nice man. And she's, she come by, and she said, I know you've got equipment. And she's about 85 years old, and... And, and she said, would you care to, I don't know if I could pay you or not, but I've got this. And she's needing some dozer or something done. And he goes, oh, he said, you don't worry about that. And um, she said, um, oh, but that wouldn't be right not to pay you. But I, I know I don't got much money. She said, that's all right. He said, I know your husband. He was a godly man. He would have done anything for me if he could have. And I'll do it for, I'm going to do it for you and for him and his memory. And boy, she just cried and stuff. But you know what? She didn't have the money to do anything. And he was able to. He was able to. You may not be able to. So if you're not able to, you're not able to. And I'm not telling you to do everything for free because people take advantage of you if you do that. So you just remember that too. But I'm just saying, that's, I learned a lot from things like that growing up. And boy, God can bless you. He can bless you. And so, anyway, it's just good. Amen. You don't want to get your prayers hindered because that's your line right there. <laughs> that's your lifeline, talking to the Lord. we got to pray. You know, people have prayer meetings. They used to have all-night prayer meetings. We don't do that, but you know what? It would never hurt nothing to have an all-night prayer meeting. I preached a revival meeting a while back. It might have been a year ago. And they had a different person praying on the hour for 24 hours. They had to spend an hour in prayer. Most people don't spend 30 seconds in prayer. I thought, that is a lot of prayer. <laughs> I thought, wow. And they would set their alarm, and this one had the 2 a.m. shift, and this one 3 a.m. and 4 a.m. They went for 24 hours for that revival. Man, different people in the church, they, they, they volunteered for it. It wasn't any pressure. I thought, man, and boy, what a great revival meeting it was. You know, prayer really works. Prayer is a good thing. God can do things through prayer. And so anyway... That's three parts on prayer. Hope you got something out of it. Is there any questions or comments?